Blog Talk Radio. Pyro Falcon is with us, sir. How are you doing this evening? 
I'm doing great, guys. And uh, you don't have to worry about me picking school over you guys anymore since I'm done with school, thankfully. That is awesome, man. How does it feel to be done? Um, honestly, I it just it feels more of a relief than an accomplishment. Just so it's out <laughs> of my mind and out of my way and you know out of my life, so I can actually do other things now. Yeah, I remember what that was like. Joe, I know it's been a long time for you, but do you remember what it was like when you graduated college or high school or elementary school? That was like two decades ago. So, um, yeah, I, I don't remember much. Well, you know, old age is setting in. But anyway, folks, let's get on with the segment. As uh, as Joe mentioned before, we, we didn't get a chance to do this on Tuesday because our interview with Doug went, went longer than we expected, longer than Doug expected also. But we decided to save the entire thing tonight just so we can get into a Pyro. Pyro, I'm going to start off. Let me ask you a question, sir. Triple H and Taker, they're fighting at WrestleMania. Everybody knows that, right? Um, this, is, this is very small, and, and Joe is very... Um, very uh, particular, and so am I when it comes to certain things. But it annoys me. I don't know if anybody picked it up on this, but they keep saying that Triple H, uh, excuse me, The Undertaker has defeated 18 men at WrestleMania. That is, first of all, it's not true because he's already fought Triple H, even though the WWE won't admit it. He fought Shawn Michaels twice, and he fought Kane twice. So if you add all that up, it actually ends up being uh, 17 because at WrestleMania 19, he fought two guys, which is A-Train and the Big Show. And I, I don't know why, but that just really bugs me that they keep saying he's 18 other men have tried. Unless you, unless Shawn Michaels is two men and Kane is two men, then, yeah, WWE math is a little bit off there. Yeah, um, it's it's strange, but it, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, it's just semantics. Everyone who uh, knows about the streak knows, you know, what it actually is about. So, to me, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I, I just hate it, and it makes me want to punch someone in you know, the WWE. But aside from that, getting down to the actual uh, episode, before we get into that, I have one more thing that I have to mention. All right, can you tell me, somebody's got to tell me, what the point is of the WWE bringing Snooki from the Jersey Shore onto their program? TNA has already done it. They did it with J-Wow, uh, whatever her name is. I don't even know because I don't watch the show. But... JWoww was on TNA, so they already tapped the whole Jersey Shore market. Now they actually have uh, someone else. I think her name is Angelina. I'm not really sure, but she's going to be training with one of our previous guests, Mr. Kevin Knight, the one and only from the IWF. He's going to be training her to wrestle, being that she's from New Jersey, and uh, she's going to be on TNA soon enough. So I get that WWE is always uh, mainstream, and they try to get you know hosts and whatnot, current people, but what's the point of bringing in Snooki, especially considering that TNA has already gone, been there and done that? Well, sometimes I think it's a conspiracy to see how much they can actually annoy me because Smokey's entire presence just makes me want to punch someone, but uh, usually her. But um, honestly, I have no idea what they're doing. The, the whole guest host experiment was mostly a failure. They had, like, you know, a, a couple good guest hosts in the past. Um, like Summerfest? And that's why Jeremy Stepper and Festivin? You know, I didn't really like Pippen, but I did like <laughs> Seth Green. I did like Seth Green when he was there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing. They, they, I think Stephanie McMahon especially wants this whole guest host thing to happen. Um, but clearly it's not as big as it was, or they would still be doing it every single week. So yeah. of all the people they could possibly get on some one-off week, I really don't understand Snooki. 
But on the other hand, it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I also don't know why most of the WWE fan base likes Randy Orton, but clearly they do. <laughs> so, you know, it, WWE would be foolish not to do it. And the Jersey Shore crew and show is immensely popular for reasons that intelligent people can't grasp. So, you know, I, I guess you have to give WWE something that, you know, they'd be willing to take advantage of that to further their product. Yeah. Yeah. Now, getting into the actual show, Pyro, um, you know, Thanks. we have Randy Orton following the pattern that I think everybody can predict, even like my two-year-old daughter could predict this pattern here, that, you know, basically Randy Orton's going to take out each member of Nexus one week at a time until, you know, he faces Punk at WrestleMania, which I will go on record again telling you that CM Punk will beat Randy Orton at WrestleMania. But, you know, what do you think about this whole, you know, Randy Orton taking out you know, Nexus, this continues week in and week out. I think it's getting kind of boring. Pyro, your thoughts? Well, it was a great story when it was John Cena six months ago doing this exact same thing. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know why they decided to start the, you know, storyline over. I, I was looking on the online onslaught forums, and some people were saying that this version of the story is better because it needed to be done with Orton in this role. And I, I'm just... I don't understand. I look at it and go, why? What, what is the benefit of Orton doing this storyline over literally anybody else on the roster? I, I don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's one of WWE's many decisions that I question week in and week out. I think it's partly that they've run out of good ideas, or at least for now they have no good ideas. So, all they can think of doing is, you know, doing storylines that they've done before that they know work. And, you know, oh, yeah. but for some reason the fans are eating it up, like I said, you know, for whatever reason, Orton has his fans, so can't stop him. Yeah, you know what, though? The truth of the matter is this whole story, you're right, it's the same thing except for the fact that Orton is actually taking people out of action, literally. Cena wasn't doing this. Cena was just beating them down left and right. The Nexus is is a complete waste. The new Nexus is worse than the original Nexus. At least the original Nexus was able to, you know, choke out some announcers and get, one, you know, one of their own members fired and, you know, make an impact. This version, with arguably better actual wrestlers and better talent, has been a complete waste. I don't know what happened to Husky Harris. I know he got punted, but we don't know where he is. Michael McGillicuddy's gone. It looks like Otunga's gone. And Mason Ryan's the only left standing right now with CM Punk. I just don't understand what the point of the new Nexus was if this is what they were going to do. When Orton punts people, they're usually written off of TV for, like, six months. So the original Nexus was okay, then it got watered down, but this new Nexus has been a total crap fest. Any thoughts on that, Byron? Oh, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, and really, there's not much more to say. It's <laughs> I, I wish... I wish I had some, some witty commentary for that, but that that's the truth. I mean, it, Nexus has become a joke. and I mean, CM Punk, I'll, I'll give him that credit, that CM Punk has really, um, you know, added something to it that Wade Barrett could not add, probably just because of his experience and all that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I'd be willing for them to just stop the whole Nexus, <clears throat> excuse me, Nexus experiment, but I know they won't. This is going to go yeah. on for a while. Yeah, I mean, to me, it makes no sense either, obviously. Um, so when we try to explain or try to figure out WWE logic, my head starts to hurt, and I feel like I have a banging headache. So I don't want to get into it, you know what I'm saying? 
So, exactly. bang, bang, let's exactly. get to the next topic. <laughs> yeah. Tell me this, Pyro. I mean, I know we're on the road to WrestleMania, and I understand the cross-brand, you know, bringing SmackDown wrestlers over, but good God, they had an entire SmackDown match on Raw. They had Brodus Clay, who might be on Raw now permanently, taking on Christian with Del Rio at ringside. Can I mean, I... I don't know if they're just running out of ideas for Del Rio, you know, leading up to this match with Edge at WrestleMania, but can you somehow give me some logic on why Brodus Clay takes on Christian on Raw? There is no logic to it. I mean, he he lost NXT, so he shouldn't even be on TV in theory. Um, I pointed out that uh, in, in my NXT recap, or maybe it was the Raw recap, that, you know, last year, what we have is the silver medalist of NXT4 getting on TV before the gold medalist. That just makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but I, I think there's a larger issue at stake, the whole fact that Christian and Brodus and Alberto Del Rio all showed up on Raw. It tells you just how weak SmackDown is. WWE apparently has no confidence in their roster on SmackDown, that they have to bring them over here to the to Raw to the A show to you know, of course, to me that all it also shows they don't have a whole hell of a lot of confidence in their mid carders on Raw either because you yeah. know there are a lot of guys on Raw who could be getting a shot could be building up storylines could be doing something and instead they're pushed aside. I mean, Christian's great. I mean, don't get me wrong, Christian's like the number one dude in my opinion on on uh, who, who's underrated. But yeah. they could have had this match on SmackDown, you know? And then you could put, I don't know, even Yoshitatsu, who hasn't had a televised match in probably six months, to at least be on TV for five, ten minutes. I don't know. Wait, who? Yoshi who? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bang. <laughs> bang, bang. You know, it's interesting that you bring all these topics up, uh, Pyro, or you bring up that, that point about underrated guys and rolling SmackDown, because... Um, you know, I think about Sean Benjamin, for example, and I was reading on some of the dirt sheets that uh, the WWE, he had, a, he had a dark match before SmackDown last week, and he doesn't know, maybe he'll come back to the WWE, and I don't know if they've extended a contract. And I love Sean Benjamin. I think he's great, super talented, amazing wrestler. But I almost wouldn't want him to come to Raw or SmackDown because if he came, he'd get lost in the shuffle. Like we talked about with Doug on Tuesday, so many guys, you can't do the brand you can't bring the brands back together, but the way that it's currently constituted, you really don't even have much of a brand split. Because, like you said, Alberto Del Rio's been showing up each and every week on Raw to you know get more exposure. And I don't understand. I mean, I get it that SmackDown is not as popular as Raw, but it's, like you said, they don't have confidence in the guys. Then you have Christian come on Raw. Then you have this other guy, uh, you know, Brodus Clay come on Raw. And Kofi Kingston was on there last week. And Swagger's now appearing there all the time. So what's the point of a brand extension if everybody's going to uh, show up on every show anyway? Because I think Triple H is on this week's SmackDown, and Cena, I think, was on last week or something like that. So what do we have this brand split for if guys are going to show up on both brands anyway? Yeah, the brand split started because WWE simply had too much talent. And they still have a lot of talent, but they, they don't use them. They just use... You know their their core set of guys, without regards to you know anyone else who's below that glass ceiling. And it's, it's sad, and that's one of the reasons why WWE is failing, or at least comparatively failing to where it was in the Attitude Era. Um, and there there really is no fix for it until the people in charge get their heads out of out of their butts and you know actually change the way the business is being operated at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, but. 
you know, it, it is what it is, I guess, and we talk about it. It's like anything. We could talk till the cows come home, but they need to make the changes. Speaking of changes, you have the whole, uh, you know, this new thing on Raw. They were they were doing the vignettes for Sin Cara, the new Mexican superstar wrestler. And it's cool that they're doing the vignettes for him. And I, I like Lucha Libre. I like that style of wrestling. Rey Mysterio was excellent back in the day. Uh, Del Rio used to be a Lucha Libre guy, even though he doesn't look like it. He used to be a Mexican, you know, a typical Mexican wrestler with a mask and everything. But he came to the WWE. They repackaged him, and he's been successful. I look at Tinkara, and I don't see how he could be successful. Not that he's not talented, but he doesn't fit in the current WWE. There are no other Lucha-style wrestlers in there. Rey Mysterio's getting old. I don't think he's going anywhere, but Rey's up there in age. Um, this guy's being touted as the, big, the next big thing, you know, other than, uh, you know, I guess Brock Lesnar. But um, I just don't see him fitting in the present-day WWE. There's no Cruiserweight title. There's no anything for him to, to, to go after. You know, maybe Evan Bourne, they could feud every night, but that would get kind of boring after a while. So uh, any thoughts on that, sir? It all depends on uh, who they put him against and how they're going to push him. Um, the big problem with him is that he can't speak any English whatsoever. So automatically they're going to have to give him somebody who can speak the language. You know. And well, you know what, though? Not to cut you off, but um, Randy Orton can't speak the language either, so that hasn't stopped him <laughs> from becoming a you know, 15-time world champion or whatever he is. That, that's a good point. But uh, I, Well, I mean, honestly, that is a good point, though. If you get the right person... <laughs> To, to help him out, and uh, you give him the right push, and you let him do what he needs to do to get over, you know, whatever magic that he, you know, I, I've never seen the guy in action, so I don't know what kind of uh, moves he's capable of, but if you get him the right mouthpiece, and you give him um, the right opponents and the right push, you know, fans respond to high-flying moves and lucha moves and all that. Otherwise, Evan Bourne wouldn't be as popular as he is because Bourne doesn't talk yeah. to But Bourne's popular because of his moves and because of his smile and because of his charm, I guess, and, you know, that whole thing. So this guy, um, I forget, what are they even calling him now because he's got, like, three different names? It's his, in the in uh, Mexico. It's Mystico, but in the WWE, it's Sin Cara. And you know, as a Hispanic, I can pronounce that properly, which basically means without a face. But they're gonna call him Sin, Sin Cara or whatever it is, and you know, just butcher his name left and right. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I I, I don't know these. I'm I'm actually anxious to see what they do with him because uh, you know, the, the mere fact that they advertised that they signed him tells me they've got a lot of confidence in him and want to do something with him. Um, depending yeah. on how good he is in the ring, you could put him against, say, Daniel Bryan for the U.S. title, which I'm sure we'll get into that subject in a minute. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, you, know, you can put him in one of those mid-level titles um, or, heck, you could debut him at Money in the Bank and see if he can work some magic with ladders and chairs. You know, well, if, yeah. if he can get noticed just by his move, then... I think everything else will fall into place. Well, I, I think that, to be honest with you, uh, I think you guys might disagree with me, but I'm going to do some fantasy booking here. I mean, we always talk about how, like, the opening card should always get, what do they call that, the curtain jerker, the first match of the, any uh, yeah, wrestling card? Yeah, the bang bang. Yeah. yeah, they call it the bang bang curtain jerker. So uh, I'm going to give you a three-way match. I'm going to tell you that for WrestleMania, I would love to see the opening match be a, a triple threat and I want to see Sin Cara, I don't know how to pronounce it, DG. I want to see Sin Cara take on Evan Bourne versus Rey Mysterio in a triple threat match, and I just think it would be a lot of fun to watch. Your thoughts? 
it would be extremely fun to watch. Um, it would certainly get uh, Sin Cara to uh, get noticed since he's, you know, especially right next to Rey Mysterio. Um, yeah. The, the current yeah. problem, the current thinking is that if he is, interacts with Ray a little too much, fans are going to get burned out by uh, the whole Lucha thing. But I don't know. It, it all depends on how good Sin Cara really is in the ring. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it's it's one of those things that's hard to theorize about until we actually see him in a couple matches. Right. Yeah, well, the yeah, truth I'm... of the matter is, though, sorry, the truth of the matter is, though, is that, um, you know, the guys come in here, right, and in the 90s when the Attitude Era was going on, what really got people to watch WCW was was the Cruiserweights. That was their big thing, and those matches with Psychosis and Juventud Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero and uh, Mysterio and even, you know, Jericho, and, and Dean Malenko, all those guys were amazing wrestlers, got over with their talent alone, and if there was anything even close to that, it would be Evan Bourne against Sin Cara, you know, for like a 15-minute spot fest, or, you know, if Sean Benjamin or something like that was still in the WWE, but I don't know, I just get afraid that he's going to get lost, because I don't know who fits his style that well. Ray has been able to get over, for whatever reason, because he looks like a little midget, but the fans like him, the kids like him because of his crazy masks. So this guy will probably get something, some of that rub. But I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see much in in his future, considering the the current state of the WWE and Vince's refusal to do anything with any type of cruiserweights or you know high flying guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I understand where your concerns are coming from. It's just the the I, I keep coming back to the mere fact they advertised that they signed him because I don't recall them ever doing that. And That's true. to me, that means they've got something in mind. They may not have everything, yeah. you know, formed up, and they may not. We may not even see anything until after WrestleMania. But they, I don't, I don't see them going out of their way to say we signed this guy, but yet we have no idea what we're going to do with him once we've got him. They, I, I just, I just have this feeling that they've got something in mind. Yeah, I mean, typical WWE logic will dictate that he'll fight the Big Show, you know, in the opening match, and Big Show will throw one punch, he'll pin Sin Cara, and that will be the end of Sin Cara. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's your bang-bang logic. That's uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I digress. Anyway, so we go on to, um, you know, the next inductee to the WWE Hall of Fame. We find out that mm. it's one yeah, but it's one of the original divas. It's actually Sonny, who will now be inducted with uh, the cast of characters that includes Bob Armstrong, Axel <laughs> Jim Duggan, you know, the Heartbreak Kid show, Michael. So, obviously, I think Sonny is a no-brainer, Pyro and DG. Um, I always question why they, how they induct these people, you know, like how do they just pick Bob Armstrong and all of a sudden you have Sonny. I guess you do need to induct a female diva. And she is one of the original, yeah. which, you know, you, you got to give her that. So any thoughts on Sonny being inducted this year? Oh, I've got no problem with Sonny. I was kind of surprised um, that they chose her. Honestly, I kind of forgot about her. But, uh, you know, as soon as I saw that it was her, I'm like, hey, you know, that's, that's a good choice. She she was um, – she may not have had the in-ring skill that Trish Stratus did, and she didn't have the suicide tendencies of Lita – but you know she had a lot of personality. She there was a, there was a time in WWE during the Attitude Era where all the divas went through like basic training, so to speak, um, to try to gain more personality, and that's when Trish and Lita really took off. But to me, Sunny always had that personality. Sunny didn't need um, 
to go through the basic training uh, class, so to speak. She, uh, I don't know, she she always connected well with the fans. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with her. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. I was surprised, uh, you know, not, not surprised because she had said she wasn't going to do it, and then all of a sudden she becomes, you know, they've announced it or whatever. So, you know, it is what it is, but definitely good, you know, big ups to Sonny for, I can't believe I just said big ups. Uh, congrats to Sonny for, you know, getting into the Hall of Fame and, I mean, pretty soon we'll be in the Hall of Fame because Vince just arbitrarily puts people in. But, I mean, she's definitely deserving if the Hall of Fame was a legitimate thing. But let me ask you this, Pyro. Um, I know that you do the, the recaps and stuff with Raw, so you pretty much pay attention to the whole thing. But what bugged me about Raw on uh, on Monday, I didn't like Michael Cole. I love this suit, by the way. I was commenting to my wife that I need to get a suit like that, but I digress. Um, I didn't like the fact that he was ragging on the women's title match. I mean, all right, women's wrestling is terrible for the most part, but they're still your talent. You're still paying them. Why are you purposely burying them on your television, on your flagship show, and you have your, your main announcer burying the crap out of the room? What, what purpose does that possibly serve? Well, that doesn't serve any purpose, but I will have to disagree with you. I thought that whole thing was really funny. Um, it, it wouldn't... It would get really annoying if it, they kept at it, like um, when we did Girl NXT. You know, the first that was when Michael Cole's new whole persona came out, and I thought it was funny yeah. at first. It was pretty entertaining, but it, it does get old quickly. If this is just like the one time he rags on him, then you know, whatever, that's fine. Plus, it's honestly, it's even the Bellas, who are like the lowest tier of the in-ring capable women right now. So if he's going to be insulting anyone. I have absolutely no problem with him insulting those that group. Now, if it was like Gail or Melina or uh, Natalia, then we'd have a problem. But, you know, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, it's not like he did it out of thin air. I mean, you know, it, his interruption was um, perfectly within his storyline and his idiom and his character. And, you know, and the fans were dead up until that point. And he started talking, and all of a sudden the fans woke up for the match. So I don't really have a problem with it at all. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that segment. I really had. Yeah, I had no. Same, I had no uh, real issue with that. Like uh, DG, it seems like he's going to join the women's movement and uh, you know head up the new feminist coalition 2011. So let's do it. Bang, 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 bang. Right. So then you have basically you know Cole introduced that his guest referee is going to be JBL and you know. We've miss, I I personally and I know DG has missed JBL on TV. So for JBL to come out and say he's going to be the the guest referee, I think that that is really cool. Until <laughs> Mr. Stone Cold Steve yeah. Austin comes out, he basically comes bang, out and ruins the segment. Yeah, he basically ruins the damn segment. And let me yep. ask you, Pyro, if he's going to be there and you know interrupt this whole segment and then sign his name on the dotted line. What was the whole purpose of Stone Cold Steve Austin coming to Raw anyway? I mean, he interrupted JBL and Cole from signing that contract. That wasn't his whole purpose on coming on for Raw, was it? It seemed to be. I mean, it, I, I actually did not like that segment. I thought it was entertaining enough, like the way Austin dumped the beer on uh, Cole's head. And I thought it was ironically funny at the end when he saw that uh, Austin had cut himself on one of the beer cans. That was fantastic. 
But uh, I don't know. I, I've never liked Austin as much as the average mainstream fan. And yeah, I, yeah when JBL first come out, I came out. I thought that was kind of interesting. But you know, he he would be back and be a heel referee for Cole. That seemed like a good fit. And then Austin came out, and I just, yeah. I mean, the segment went exactly how I predicted it would. I mean, you know, in fact, Cole sort of telegraphed it at the beginning when he says, the person who signs this contract will be the guest referee. And immediately, you know, the red flags go off in my head. And I'm like, something's going to happen. And we knew Austin was there, and I don't know. I think the whole segment would have been better if they actually had not announced Austin beforehand, you know. And would have he would have come out as a total surprise. That would have gone more over. But yeah, you know, it's funny because... Yet. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, John and I were talking about this. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, we understand Austin is there. Okay, it's telegraphed for him to be the uh, the guest referee. But the fact of the matter is that how much logic do you have to uh, suspend and how much disbelief because he was there for no other reason than to sign the contract, even though Cole brought JBL to sign the contract. I loved it when he said, and I actually, you know, popped because I said to myself, you know, man, JBL, it sounds like he's actually coming back. You know, he's he's in his 40s, but he sounded like he's going to come back to the WWE and be a fixture. And he said, this is, my, you know, my, my starting stone or stepping stone, you know, to get back in the WrestleMania main events. I thought that was great. Then Austin came out, ruined the whole thing. I could have understood it if Austin was out um, saying that he was there to promote the new Tough Enough, cause, which is, that's what I thought he was doing. But he literally just came out, signed the contract, stunned him, dropped a bunch of beer on a call, and that was it. It was just I, I just hated the whole segment. I've never been a fan of Austin. I mean, not taking anything away from the guy, but I just I don't know. Never been a big fan. But you know, let, let me ask you this. It, yeah, bang bang. There you go. It seems like they're really telegraphing this for um, the Cole and and Lawler match to have Jim Ross announcing it. Right. That that that's my prediction. I believe that Austin's going to be there, even though he's already. I was looking this up the other day. He's guest refereed so many matches on so many pay-per-views, that, and even on WrestleMania, a couple of them. It just doesn't hold any appeal to me. But if Jim Ross would come back and call the match, that would be amazing. But my question is, once Cole wins, once Lawler wins, whoever wins, you know, what's going to happen back at the Raw announce desk? How do you go back to having these two sit and call a match together? To me, the only way this works is if it leads to Jim Ross coming back to announce Raw with Jerry and Cole goes back to be the lead voice on SmackDown. That's the only way that this would make any sense to me, you know, the way that I see it. Yeah, I, I completely agree because you cannot, considering what all these guys are going through, you cannot just erase, uh, you know, the, the these last few months of storyline to get them back. And that's what you'd have to do to get them back to working together and not screaming at each other. It's already weird and disconcerting enough when um, Cole is, like, in character, and then he suddenly has to say, uh, but now I'm going to get back to being serious and call this next match straight down the middle, and then he does. It's like he switches from a heel to, I guess, a neutral. And, and it's, yeah. it's already disconcerting. So to, to have Lawler and Cole fight and then suddenly try to be all buddy-buddy on Raw, it just doesn't work. Um, the only thing I can think of that might be interesting for me, and I know I think I'll be in the minority on this. Um, Cole does entertain me the same way Jonathan Coachman entertained me. And if the whole point of this whole thing is to get Cole off the announce table and to do something else, um, you know, maybe be Miz's full-time lackey to take Alex Riley's place or something, I could be, you know, I'd be down with that. 
um, just to get him off the announce table so he can be a true heel. He'll be more like a manager or a male valet or something, but I'd be cool with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what I just realized as we're uh, dissecting uh, we're dissecting Raw last Monday. Um, it's supposed to be like the best part, you know, the road to WrestleMania. I always say is the best part of the wrestling year. But you know, uh, I don't think we've found one positive thing so far at Raw, and I'm going to continue that by segueing and saying, Sheamus <laughs> has been getting squashed. He's been basically getting squashed every week Dang. after winning the Royal Rumble. And then all of a sudden, now he gets a U.S. title shot against Daniel Bryan. I mean, wait, wait, that... yo, he won the Royal Rumble. The King of the Ring. Are you okay? I was gonna say because I must have missed something. I don't know what year he won the Royal Rumble, but bang! Sorry, sir. Keep going. I thought I said he won the King of the Ring. No, you said Royal Rumble. Don't ever do that again, or I'll have to find a new co-host. Hey, Fitz, go back on the tape and let me know what I said. All right. So anyway, you know. They have a U.S. title match. The match ends in a, a count-out, which was a pretty quick 10-second count. I know DG is going to digress on that. But, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, bang, and all of a sudden, Sheamus gets a rematch next week. Uh, if that doesn't defy all logic in all wrestling, Pyro, I do not know what else defies that kind of illogical logic. Yeah, I completely agree. The only thing that I know is going to have, I mean, the only possible way this can end now is Sheamus winning that U.S. title, which is going to feel horrible for everybody. But, you know, Daniel Bryan's had it for like a year, and Sheamus hasn't won in like a year. And, you know, <laughs> if Sheamus loses, if Sheamus loses, I mean, he already said, I'm going to quit. But it's like no one in wrestling goes out like that. Nobody. You know, yeah, you don't go to SmackDown for six straight months and then, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. If they, if this whole thing is to get him to leave Raw and go to SmackDown, I think that's stupid too because I don't think Sheamus really fits that brand. But you know, I don't know. Sheamus has been so mishandled since King of the Ring. It's it's again one of those it's things where like, I have no words to express it. Yeah, yeah I mean but, it really is mind-boggling. But I'm just saying, Sheamus lost the match via countout. And now he gets a rematch next week. I mean, DG, yeah, I, I, I can't explain. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think that Vince or the WWE can explain it. But you know, Joe, we used to do this back uh, in our production meetings before we actually went on the air. We used to talk about how the Randy Orton John Cena feuds were very similar to this, where Orton would lose and then he would cut this awful promo about he's how he's still the better man and how. Um, you know, because of that, he deserves a title shot, and then Cena would agree, because, and I think, I, I don't know if you pointed this out, Pyro, I think you did, uh, your recap, you were saying how when you're a face, no matter what, you automatically have to accept any challenge that's thrown your way, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I like the idea of a feud, if only it means that Sheamus is going to win on, on Monday, which, again, makes no sense booking-wise, but if he's going to win and then go into a feud, a prolonged feud with Daniel Bryan over the U.S. title, and go into Mania because they're not going to have a Money in the Bank match, so it seems this year. I wouldn't mind Sheamus, uh, you know, Sheamus and uh, Brian for the U.S. title at WrestleMania, but what's probably going to happen is he's going to lose on Monday, then end up on SmackDown as, like, uh, you know, Teddy Long's valet or something, and then I, I, I don't know where the hell they're going with that, but, uh, but you know, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Um, looks like uh, Dolph Ziggler is now on 
Raw, well, it, he is on Raw after being fired from SmackDown. Again, you know, nobody ever goes away in wrestling. But, uh, you know, Vicky Nani Sinit beat Trish Stratus next week to get her job. Looks like they're setting up a cheat win for Vicky, which will probably lead to a mixed tag match at WrestleMania between John, not Jim, Morrison, and Trish Stratus against Dolph Ziggler and uh, Vicky Guerrero. Any thoughts on that, Pyro? I, I'm just happy to see Trish back. Um, I, I doubt it's permanent. You know, I think she's just here for a couple one-off matches and then, you know, obviously tough enough. But I, the whole reason she left in the first place is because she wanted to, you know, have a normal life with her, her uh, at the time it was her new husband. And, yeah. you know, I, I'll be glad to see her back, but at the same time it'll be bittersweet because I know it won't last. I mean, she could yeah, do but you know, some... Sorry, you know what I'm saying? Bang, bang. No, I was going to say that. <laughs> It'll be nice to see her back. I've always been a big fan of Trish Stratus. Even before she was in the WWE, I knew she was like a fitness model and stuff, and she was doing her thing. And, you know, she came to WWE and just got so over in her career. And one of the few divas that we really take seriously and, you know, legitimately belongs in the Hall of Fame and just made her mark on the business. And the WWE is sorely missing someone like that. So to have her back at any time, way, shape, or form would be great. But, uh, you know, it looks like the WWE is really stacking up WrestleMania because Trish is going to be at WrestleMania. You know that. Austin is going to be there. Uh, Rock is going to be there, obviously. And probably, uh, you know, may, may, who knows, maybe Sean will end up being the guest referee for Taker and Triple H. But, you know, they're really trying to get the casual fan, the former fan, to watch uh, WrestleMania. You think it's going to work, Pyro? Oh, I think it'll work. I mean, just the mere fact that Rock is going to be there is going to make it work. Um, but then you throw in Austin and uh, Trish, you know, it's it's going to work. I have every confidence that this will be the biggest WrestleMania ever. Um, I'm wondering idly how they're going to try to top themselves next year, but, uh, you know, I guess one WrestleMania at a time. Um, I really do think this will be the biggest one. I don't think it'll be the uh, the best, like, technically speaking, and I highly doubt we're going to have one of those, you know, huge classic moments. We haven't had one of those uh, extreme classic WrestleMania moments in years, um, mm-hmm. unless we count uh, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker doing their thing. But, you know, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure this will be nice, big, entertaining, and I really can't wait. It, it's the one, it, it is the one pay-per-view out of the year. WWE does bring out all stops, and usually, at least on WrestleMania, everything seems to work. Yeah, I know. You know last year, isn't I... always good, but... Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Last year, Joe and I actually saw it together, and after Sean lost, we vowed we'd never watch wrestling again, but here we are a year later still watching because we're addicted like drug addicts. But uh, aside from that, um, I think the only classic, yeah, definitely, the only classic WrestleMania moment that would be left for this one would be if John Cena goes heel. And speaking of John Cena, you know, I was thinking about this before the show. We should dedicate an entire show to how much John Cena sucks because Monday was a perfect encapsulation of why I don't like John Cena. Now, again, I'll say this, bears repeating, seems like a great guy. You know, he's actually, he has personality. He can cut a promo. But, man, Monday was so bad. The crowd was taking a dump on him, which was great, but it wasn't in a heel fashion. He was trying to come back, his whole first-round knockout thing. I mean, he failed miserably. The promo didn't get over. It didn't, it was disjointed. He started out with the whole over-the-top typical hokey Cena promo, and then he kind of got into it, but he never got passionate like he did with the first time he rapped a couple of weeks ago. So I thought this was a major, major letdown in this whole story between uh, 
him and the Miz. Uh, any thoughts on that, Pyro? I completely agree. Well, well, as far as him and the <clears throat> excuse me, as far as him and the Rock goes, yeah, I think it was a major letdown. He just did not seem like he had the same, as we said, passion. He was phoning it in. But um, Miz's whole part of that was fantastic. I thought. I mean that. That was the moment of the night when Miz came in and cut his promo and did his thing. But, uh, yeah, as far as Cena himself is concerned, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he just couldn't – I don't know. Maybe it was the crowd. I mean, all the – because they were uh, overwhelmingly booing him on Monday, which they weren't doing two weeks ago when he did his first rap. I mean, there were the boos, but it was the standard kind of 50-50. And then once he started and hit some of his better lines, the crowd actually got on his side. And that just never happened this week. So I'm not sure if that had something to do with it or if he just, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel right about now. I don't know. (laughs) Because, you know, you have the Miz, who's the WWE champion, but he's acting like the little kid in the classroom that's raising his hand. He's like, oh, don't forget about me. What about me? What about me? I'm the WWE champion over here. You know, don't forget about me. And, you know, you have this whole, like, Cena rock thing, and then you have the Miz as the champion. So, I mean, I think we talked about it with Doug on Tuesday. If if the, if this isn't, like, if Rock wasn't brought here to wrestle, then he better sure has and make, you know, John Cena a heel because, you know, it's either we, we want a match between Cena and Rock or we want The Rock to do something so over the top that Cena goes heel, which is why I'm going on record right now tonight again, saying that John Cena will not win the WWE title at WrestleMania, and hopefully he does go heel after that. That's what I'm hoping for. He needs to do something. And clearly, the, I mean, the whole reason he's been wanting not to go full-on heel is because of, you know, the, the fact he is the face of the company. But at this point, yeah. you know, being the face of the company is apparently not enough anymore you know he's still getting he's getting booed harder now than he's ever gotten before and he's got to do something he really does yeah I, I mean we totally agree we're as usual we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to stuff but uh you know I, we'll see what happens it'd be great to see I was actually thinking about something you told us a couple of weeks ago how the WWE needs to focus on the WWE product and sell that and not 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 that they should stop ever start doing the make a wish stuff, but don't worry so much about the the periphery stuff, the stuff outside of the company, but focus on making your product better. So, you know, I was thinking about something again you had mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. But as always, Pyro, it's been a pleasure. We thank you for your thoughts on Raw and helping us with this Raw recap. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts there before we uh, before we let this one loose? Only that now that I uh, don't have school on my mind anymore, I can definitely come back every week as long as you guys will have me. Um, no more week skipping. And hopefully we'll actually have something better to talk about next week after this you know, upcoming Monday and everything, and we don't have to crap on WWE every single week. They just make it so easy, though. No, that's true, but you know what? For the most part, I, I feel that the last few worlds have really been good, sustainable, watchable television but this week was just not that good. So, you know, hopefully, like you said, next week we won't be dropping a deuce on it. Pyro, as always, well, a pleasure, I'll... sir. You have a – sorry, what was that? Uh, I was going to add one more thing, actually, now that you mentioned it. The big problem with Raw is they're doing a lot of replays and the whole, you know, early uh, moments ago crap. Austin himself had like six replays. Even get a replay during his actual action. 
And it's just <laughs> ridiculous. But they need to get back to actually having a lot of action on their shows and a lot of um, different storylines and all the moving parts, and then we wouldn't crap on the product so much because we'd actually have something better to talk about. I agree with that. I actually, it, it, unless I'm mistaken, I think they showed a recap while he was coming to the ring. So I, I may be mistaken on that, but, you know, we'll, we'll see about that next week, sir. So, again, you have a wonderful evening. And, again, thanks for joining us uh, here on Pure Gold. All right. You guys have a good one. Thanks. You too, sir. I, I think I think Pyro used the word action hey. as many times as I used the hey. word obviously. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He's right because there was this well, not obviously. enough action. It was – Obviously, definitely. Obviously. It was all recaps and recaps and recraps and the crap around. Folks, we are, uh, you know, we have this last segment. <laughs> Folks, this has been the greatest period ever, but with this last segment, Pyro, On Fire with Pyro, was brought to you by Pompton Dental Arts. Are you looking for an honest, gentle dentist as opposed to a deceiving, conniving, miserable, hurtful dentist? Then contact Pompton Dental Arts, located at 435 Ringwood Avenue in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, which at this point, folks, hopefully it's not flooded because, you know, with all the rain and everything going on, but, you know, wait till next week to go. You can expect a warm, caring family atmosphere here where Drs. Ryan Zlutkowski and Lauren Salk will take care of your entire family's dental health. Call 973-835-0702 for an appointment today or visit PomptonDentalArts.com. Again, that is PomptonDentalArts.com. And when you call, you better mention Pure Gold or they will not. And I repeat, they will not take care of you. JB? Folks, it's 1045. It's time for Sports Update with Todd and Todd's Take, brought to you by Design Stitch. Looking to promote your business, school, church, or team? Contact Design Stitch for all your embroidery and screening printing needs. Mention Pure Gold for 50% off of all setup charges. We are located at 194 Atlantic Street in Hackensack, New Jersey. Contact us at 201-488-1314 or visit us at our website at design-stitch.com. And without further ado, Todd, it's time for your sports update. Sir, how are you? I am great. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Wonderful. Good. That's good to hear. Obviously, we've got some action in the NBA, obviously. So, obviously. Uh, obviously, the uh, the Flyers actually have a streak going here. They've won one in a row now. Uh, Thanks. Yes. They, beat the, they beat the Leafs 3-2. to two. Uh, Senators over the Panthers 2-1. to one. Sabres hold off the Bruins 4-3 to three in overtime. Blues get past the Canadians 4-1. to one. Predators spank the Wild 4 to nothing. Flames and Coyotes. Coyotes lead one nothing at the end of the first period. Canucks and Sharks have just tipped off, and there is no score at the uh, early in the first. Lakers in the Heat. Lakers lose to the Heat 88-94. Mavs are leading the Knicks at the end of the first, and Nuggets and Sun will tip off at any moment. Obviously, JV. Thank you, sir. And before we close out your segment, as always, it is time, folks, for Todd's take. So, Todd, Obviously. take it away, sir. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Here's some action, obviously. So, <laughs> tonight I want to speak to some of our, uh, our good friends in the NFL, some of these players. Tonight is going to be more of an advice segment rather than a rant. 
with all of the uncertainty in the NFL today due to the lack of a CBA agreement, which, by the way, expires at 11.59 Eastern Standard Time p.m. tomorrow, yeah. one would think yeah. that these guys would, would be uh, – one would think that it's players who seem to be in the most jeopardy here, not the owners, but the players, wouldn't be obviously. out acting like a bunch of – obviously. They're, they're, they're too much action, obviously. Definitely. One would think that they wouldn't be out acting like a bunch of fools and thugs. Okay, here are some examples. New England Patriots' Brandon Merriweather being sought for questioning in relation to an early morning shooting on February 28th. Denver Broncos' corner, Parrish Cox, was arrested on Denver, Den, December 9th on allegations of sexual assault. I'm sure his mother's very proud. <laughs> San Diego Chargers wide receiver Legadu Nane arrested for public intoxication. Philadelphia nice. Eagles offensive tackle, tackle King Dunlap charged with reckless driving and disorderly conduct. Minnesota Vikings defensive end Everson Griffin assaulting a police officer during a traffic stop, which led to his arrest. Oakland Raiders running back Michael wow. Bush arrested for DUI. Former New England Patriot and current Denver Bronco running back Lawrence Maroney arrested on drug and weapons allegations. Tampa Bay linebacker Geno Hayes arrested on disorderly conduct and trespassing. And on and on and on the NFL rap sheet goes. Guys, lawyers cost money. If there's no CBA, there's no football, which means you don't get paid. Assuming the CBA does get done this year and the season gets underway at some point, you can all count on a two-to-four game suspension. And guess what that means, guys? It means you don't get paid. I hope the two-carat earrings, Escalades, and Cristal in the MVP section at the club with your boys was worth it. All right? When the bank comes knocking on the door your mama's house, I'm going to give you some sound <laughs> advice. As Strength and conditioning coach of the Arizona Cardinals, John Lott, would say, listen, dummy, get your stinking head right before your stuff gets taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. <laughs> JB? Well, well uh, JB, let me just mention this on coming. Hopefully that no one will be coming looking at Mama's house because Mama's probably got some stuff stashed in there with half of these guys, half of these uh, crooks in the NFL. I just wanted to – uh, throw that out there, obviously, but definitely, Todd. I loved today's rant. Um, it was definitely, definitely, obviously action-packed, and obviously the best one so far, definitely. Obviously, an honor for me, and uh, you know the action just never stops. Obviously, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Obviously. Okay, folks, that was Todd's take. Brought to you by Design Stitch. I I have to say it was brought to you by Design Stitch before we, you know, our sponsors go. Yeah, before they get upset, they stop sponsoring us. Folks, we move on to our next segment. Um, Hopefully today we'll have a positive spin on it. Hopefully our our guest, soon-to-be guest anyway, 
um, you know, will be able to hit us with some some good stuff on on Smallville. Last week he was negative, took a dump on on everything Smallville. Uh, JB was just as negative, and I had to be the positive one. I had to be the one shining light in the midst of the darkness. I had to be the the city shining on a hill. I had to be the lamp that you can't put under cover because it just had to be exposed in the darkness, the bang. actual darkness, folks. Bang bang. We have with us the one and only Hans. Joining us for Smallville View, another classic action-packed segment. Hans, how are you doing tonight, sir? Obviously, it's Hans. Hey, D.D., hey, J.B. Hey, what's up? How you doing? We're doing great. Today has been one of our more interesting uh, editions of Fear Gold, and hopefully, you know, this will not continue into the future in terms of the bang-bang. But um, moving on to some Smallville stuff, this episode was entitled Sion. Uh, it may as well have been called Superboy because it was all about the Lex clone that now has the name Connor Kent. Um, Hans, give us your thoughts on uh, on the episode, uh, or at least at least that part of it, the whole Superboy aspect of it, because uh, you know we have a couple other things to, to touch on. Uh, I like the episode. I like the direction they went in. They Wait, hold on a second. Uh, did you just say? Did uh, you just say you liked it? I, I did. I did like. The was show. that a positive comment? For now, for now, it's okay, going okay. to be positive. Okay, continue, uh, it sorry. Show, it, it took the show in, in a better direction than the last two. Um, it did concentrate on Superboy, but it touched on Clark and his feelings towards Superboy, which is exactly how it was in the comics and in the cartoon incarnations of, of Superman and Superboy. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Um, okay. You know, it was it was nice to see that he got the name Connor Kent at the end of the episode, and it seems like the Kryptonian DNA that he has is what's keeping him from aging. Because yeah, he rapidly aged, but here he goes. I thought it was cool because it was a different way to bring in Superboy. Well, I was wondering if they would do it. And uh, the truth is, that I know you and I spoke about this off the air. This show literally could bang, bang, go off into its own spin-off if they wanted to. It would be kind of like Smallville 2.0. You could bring Martha back to raise him, and then you could have Clark occasionally guest star, but you could focus again on Smallville High and bring back another African-American character to play Pete Ross's brother and uh, keep him on the show for more than three years. But uh, any thoughts on that, sir? Well, like I told you off the air, they could just bring back all the characters that they had Whitney, Lana, and just do Super uh, Smallville all over again and do it right this time. That's what they should yeah. do. <laughs> I think you guys are both going through some, like, Smallville withdrawal or denial because the series is going to end and they're not going to do no stupid spin-off called Smallville 2.0. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Get real. Bang, Get bang, smoking bang. Smoking. <laughs> Jesus, Lampley, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> God. All right, Lamps, can you can you you keep this segment rolling? You have any thoughts on uh, on Smallville, Lamps? Yeah, uh, Hans. I I mean, you know, Lionel, typical heel Lionel, tries to uh, convert Connor typical. into you know typical, obviously, trying to convert Connor into his you know heel uh, bad self by putting that red ring on his finger. Uh, I thought this show in general was a pretty good storyline. You know, you have. Uh, Connor starting out as a good guy, then converts to a bad guy with the red ring. Lionel then loses by, you know, Clark and Lois taking that red ring off of him. So what did you think about Lionel's role in this episode? 
I like Bad Lionel much better than when he was a good guy and trying to help yeah. Clark. He he plays a, a better bad role. I mean, he played the good role just fine, but he makes a great villain. And him putting the ring on, that was great. What The whole thing they did with, with Connor, uh, I thought it was actually pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was good because it got to show you a different side of Connor. You know, we... We got to cut. You and I have been watching this show for a very long time, you know. And knowingly together watching it, we've both been watching it for about eight or nine years. But um, Joe, you shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. I'm so sick of you. Obviously, but the fact of the matter is that when when uh, Clark would be on the red kryptonite or the red K as they call it, um, he was never this evil. You know, Connor really went over the top, and that would be the Luther DNA, obviously, or in this case, the Bacino DNA that really uh, sent him over the top to be a bad guy. And it was right. good because it was so much different than the typical red kryptonite Clark who ends up getting married and, and divorced and doing all these stupid childish things. But Connor was really, you know, a bad you-know-what. Any thoughts on that, sir? Well, like you said, it was the Luther DNA coming out. Um, it was very different from Clark's version of the Red K. And I just love what what the actor did with it, where he, like you said, he took it over the top. Uh, he basically was a Luther, which is great, because that's basically what he is. He's part Lex, part Clark. Basically. Right. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, basically. Let me ask you another question, sir. Um, Tess. It was nice to see Tess take back uh, Luther Corp, and it was interesting because it set up what was an awesome ending. Now, uh, JB, not being the big comic book fan that we are, mentioned something completely moronic about the end of it. He thought okay, that wait, uh, <laughs> sir? wait a second before you get into that whole thing. I just want to ask you fellows about this logic that you know Smallville has. You know, you guys are you know always talking about Smallville, obviously for the last eight nine years because it's been on for eight or nine years. You damn fools. But anyway, uh, you know, you have Clark, and you know, Clark is you know, Clark is enrolling his uh, his son or whatever son Connor into a human school. You know, he's he's enrolling his son, his son or whatever son is, into a school that humans, you know, obviously go to. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Explain explain to me why why this guy has to go to high school now. And because this guy can read a book in about like 2.4 seconds before I can say obviously in obviously 5.6 seconds. Um, obviously, he wants to wants to give him some some sort of normalcy, the same thing that uh, Clark got. He he wants oh. Connor to experience everything that that he got to experience, what it's like to be normal with with those powers. Yeah, what it's like yeah, to be um, in love and then have, you know, a girl break up with you and then have kryptonite, you know, basically, you know, destroy you every other episode. So, you know, I digress. You, Go ahead. You know what the truth is, Hans, is that Joe was homeschooled and he was never he never knew what it was like to be in high school. So that's the problem. That's why he has such a huge issue with this. But getting back to my original point, uh, obviously, Darkseid appeared at the very end with the whole uh, Lionel going to the grave, uh, Lex's grave. And uh, it was obviously a, a great moment, and you got to see Darkseid as good as Smallville can do on their limited budget. Um, Joe actually thought that it was like Lionel 
passing gas or likes passing gas or something to that effect that created this cloud because he has no idea what dark side is but what did you think about it sir give us your give us your uh perspective like you said the the effects were great on the smallville budget that they do have um i thought it was great which leads um to question you're saying it was great lexus yes it was great how lexus going to come back because now yeah. we know uh, Connor isn't going to grow up to be uh, Lex that we all know. So how are they going Which to bring Lex back? Is it going to be the original Lex? Are they going to dig him up and some sort of zombie Lex or use remains from the clones to create Lex? It just brings in a lot more questions. Uh, they left uh, because, as you know, there, there's going to be a gap between shows from here till. April 15th, so that that is quite a cliffhanger and probably has a lot of people questioning how they're going to bring Lex back. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think that it's a good way, and at this point, since, like you said, it's been established that Connor's not going to be Lex, you got to bring him, bring back the real Lex, whether it's from an alternate dimension or something like that. They need to bring Lex back. That's why Darkseid's there. Make a deal with uh, dear old dad, Lionel who reminds me of your father, by the way, Hans. I just threw that out there. Um, it would be great to have him come back because I was reading today, this ties into uh, something else. According to Krypton site, it looks like not only will Michael Rosenbaum, a.k.a. Lex Luthor, come back for the series finale, but so will Chloe, Martha, and Jonathan. And the site says that they are not the only ones returning. Uh, I read an interview today with uh, Michael Rosenbaum saying that he did like 19 hours of filming so he's not just going to be in like one tiny scene and that's it. He said, you know, there's a couple of scenes he filmed. There's there's two other awesome things that he did, uh, you know, special things for the fans. So that should be very interesting to see how that turns out. But um, any thoughts on what other characters might obviously basically be returning to the Bang Bang Action Pack series finale? And yes, it's been on for 10 years. So 10, 10th year season finale, sir, any thoughts? The only people I can think of that they could bring back realistically would be Pete. Have him come back on obviously. and redeem himself from that obviously horrific <laughs> episode that he came back chewing gum and stretching his body. Yeah. Or Lana, they could bring her back. And they could also bring back um, the guy who played Davis Bloom, the one that was oh, uh, yeah. Doomsday. They could obviously. dig him up from... From the ground, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's not that many characters to pick from unless they get maybe some old freak of the weeks or anything like that. But if they're they're holding out like this, it's got to be somebody major, somebody that we would all love to see come back. Well, it could be um, it could be Kara because I think that she, there was a possibility she may come back. So even though neither one of us is a fan of the actress, but it would be a good way to to go send off the show with a bang to have Kara return, and it it would be interesting if they got Pete back. I'm not sure how many years he's going to be serving for his, you know, drug infringement or whatever happened, but it would be great to have him back on the show, even for the last episode, obviously. Lana, I think she just got signed uh, to some new show. Uh, I think it's called Obviously Basically or something like that, Basically Definitely, and she's going to be on this show, so maybe she won't appear on Smallville again. But it would definitely be great to have these guys obviously come back to end out the show. Um... Jay, B, do you have any comments, or you said you wanted to to comment? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. You know, once small, obviously Smallville 
gets better and better every week as they close out the series, Hans. Uh, there's like a bang, bang yeah, on my phone. Yeah, that's not what you said last week or the week before. You said it sucked Shut up. and it was getting worse Shut and up. worse. Shut up. So listen, go. Hans, listen. Go. Uh, this is the small hey. review with Hans, not you, DG. So hey. listen, obviously. Obviously. The thing that I don't like about Smallville, and they do it to you every year, is that all of a sudden, you know, you watch this episode, and all of a sudden now you have to wait a whole month before you get a new episode of Smallville. Now, why don't they have an episode, skip a week, bang, have an episode, skip a week, bang, skip a week, bang, skip a week, bang, instead of giving us a whole month off and then losing all the momentum in the world before the series finales, why do we have to wait until April 15th to watch the next episode, Hans? I ask you that. I ask you that now. I obviously I don't have any idea why they do that. I think it's dumb. They lose momentum. Yeah, you forget what's happened in the shows uh, previous to that. You got to go back on YouTube or Hulu or talk to DG and to get a recap of what happened. It, it's really dumb. I know they come back for January and have all brand new shows for February because it's sweeps month uh, in February and then. After that, shows get chopped off or they get tapped. And so I know that's the reason why they come back, uh, like, the end of January, to have brand-new shows for their sweeps month. And then they take a break just so they can finish out the seasons in May. But why Smallville does that, it's annoying. Or actually, any show, it's annoying that they do yeah. that. Yeah, I completely agree with you, sir. It's definitely annoying and obviously definitely. stupid when they do that. But I guess the only way that they feel that they can stretch it out to May is by doing that. I asked Joe off the air about the whole uh, week on, week off, you know, bang, bang, bang. But I guess they don't want to do that because maybe ratings. I mean, I, I don't know what the reason is, but it sucks, and there's no way around it. That's why I've always appreciated a show like Burn Notice, where Burn Notice airs on off months. So when Smallville is, or well, Smallville's done, but let's say The Office is on hiatus for the summer, that's when Burn Notice airs. So it gives you something good to watch in between the next season of that show, or it'll air in January when the you know the shows are taking this month long hiatus or whatever the case is. But as always, sir, it was another great Smallville View segment. It was nice to see that you were actually positive for once. And hopefully next week, I'm sorry, in five weeks or whatever the hell it is, three months, <laughs> whenever they go back to the next episode, you'll have some uh, some positive notes again to to you know share. Actually, with my us. only negative note is why didn't Clark wear the glasses? They made a big deal of him wearing the glasses, and he doesn't this episode. He's just back to being Smallville again. I think you're an absolute that, fool for even bringing that up. You're, you are an absolute fool, sir, but as always, we thank you for your time, for your courtesy, <laughs> and for your your kind words. Obviously. Obviously. Thank you, sir. Bang. Folks, that was the one and only Hans with a bang, bang, shoot him up. Smallville view, and uh, you know we're gonna have we're still gonna have Hans on the air in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's getting our coffee, or uh, I knew one of us really drinks coffee, or getting us some you know pizza or something, you know, on the show. So he'll, he'll still be appearing in some way, shape, or form. Uh, we'll squeeze him in there somehow. But uh, Smallville is not. He's gonna be on hiatus for the next six months. So you know, come what late August, uh, they'll, they'll start up again with the new episodes. Now, moving on to some nuggets before we close out this bad mamma jamma, um, I have one note here about the WWE and uh, MMA. According to the internet, the WWE is interested in bringing in Chris Cyborg Santos, 
Uh, there were some reports last week that she was offered a contract, but the WWE has denied this. She is the women's middleweight champion for Strike Force. Um, I honestly think that the WWE is missing the boat on this, and instead they should be going after Sweet Lady Luscious, Gina Carano herself, because Gina Carano, who is not as tough or is not as good of a fighter per se as Cyborg, because Cyborg ripped her new one when they fought, which is like the biggest women's mixed martial arts match in history. Carano is, is a beautiful woman who looks like a WWE diva but can actually fight, and I'm sure that it wouldn't take much for her to transition that into wrestling. She must know some wrestling because there's some grappling, there's some things that go on in the MMA. You know, they have people like Awesome Kong, they have, uh, you know, Natalia, Beth Phoenix, people like that. But for the most part, Cyborg would destroy any other uh, diva that she fought. So why not instead go after Gina Carano? Again, looks like the model, looks like the diva, and she would be able to adapt to the WWE and bring recogn- true recognition to the WWE women's, diva, women's division again and, you know, really uh, get a huge name in there in terms of women's fighting for some MMA fans of her, and, you know, fans of hers to actually tune in. Joe, any thoughts on that, sir? Why? <laughs> you break up. You bring up all the garbage at the end of the show. That's all I can say, DG. <laughs> Who gives a rat's beep about anything you just said? Move on to your damn nuggets. <laughs> this is a nugget, sir. And as a matter of fact, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have uh, Fitz mute you for the rest of the show because you are bringing it straight up scum tonight, folks. Pure scum, Joe Buccino. Anyway. Now, moving on to some Mets notes. Um, I need to know this, JB. I need to know this. you got to tell me. Apparently, according to some reports out there, uh, 80% of Mets season ticket holders have renewed for this year. Are these people on crack? Get them the hell out! Get the Mets the hell out of the league now! Somebody explain to me how 80% of these people... These absolute fools renewed the season ticket packages. The Mets have done nothing. And I'm a Mets fan, folks. I've suffered many years, and my kids will suffer. My entire lineage will suffer with the Mets. But the fact is that they, they did nothing this offseason. The coupons are out there extorting people, doing who knows what, illegal business with Bernie Madoff while he's still in prison. Joe, lay the smack down on us. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> I knew the Mets fan fan base was pretty dumb, but I didn't know they were that dumb to shell out their own hard-earned money and buy season tickets. You said 70%? I said 80%, sir. Listen up. Oh, my God. Even worse. 80%. Clean them out. Uh, My only only guess is that they want to uh, buy these season tickets and make sure that they have them, you know, in 2012. No, not 2012. 2032, 20 years from now, when the Mets are actually good and might actually win a championship or actually win their division. So I think they're trying to see the, the you know, the brighter side that the future is brighter in 20 years from now when, you know, our great grandkids are watching the Mets. So they want to make sure that they have season tickets, just like the giant fans, you know, they bought season tickets for their great grandchildren and now they're using them. Well, they're not using them because of PSL. So, uh, you know, I, I really can't explain why they are buying Mets season tickets. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, sir. Um, moving on to some football news, Reports came out on Tuesday, and I was going to mention this Tuesday, but that nugget about gas and everything was just such a great point to end the show on. Um, Tiki Barber, formerly of the New York Gigantes, plans to unretire and play football again in 2011. Somebody explain to me what the hell is wrong with Tiki Barber. Now, I understand that he confirmed that on his Twitter. He filed the paperwork with the league. He's going to be 36 soon. 
He's not that old per se, but he hasn't played in four years. He really shouldn't have retired when he did. Uh, then to come back four years later is a bit much. He's not Brett Favre, but it's kind of annoying, and I'm assuming that this man must need money. You know, I read it was reported that he was broke last year, and he couldn't pay his divorce settlement with his ex-wife. I'm not sure if you know this, JB, but Tiki left his wife of 11 years for a 23-year-old former NBC intern, and his wife at the time was eight months pregnant with his children. She ended up giving uh, birth to twins, by the way, um, in case you've been living under the rock. You know, he tried his hand on announcing he sucked. He wants to play again. He must be hard up for money. You know, he was a great giant. I cannot take that away from him. But the fact is that I am glad he's gone. He is overly critical of Eli and the cough. And I'm glad that they won the year that he retired. Joe, give us your thoughts on that. Bang, bang. This man said it the best. It's all about the money. So this guy obviously needs some money, obviously. Obviously. And he wants to return to the NFL. My guess is that, you know, he has to. He owes a lot of alimony. And he didn't want to come back and play professional sports, but his career on TV as a broadcaster, like he said he was going to be this big broadcaster, obviously has now, you know, crapped all the way down the toilet. So, you know, this guy needs some money, so he's going to do what he he was born to do, and that's be a football player. But obviously nobody's going to want to sign a 36-year-old running back who's pretty washed up. I mean, obviously they won a championship after – he retired, you know, the year after. So, obviously, the Tiki Barber effect had a, a good effect on the Giants when he retired because they won the Super Bowl the next year. So, yeah. what can you say about obviously, that one? So, I think that he should uh, obviously come to the Jets and they should sign him. And then that means that when he retires from the Jets, they'll win the Super Bowl the next year because that's probably, folks, obviously, definitely, basically, well, the only way the Jets will ever win the Super Bowl again. Well, uh, you, you know, know what's going to happen, though, right? What's that, you know What's going to happen is the, the Patriots are actually – do a great job of bringing back old talent, and they turn him into superstars again. So my guess is that Tiki Barber um, ends up on the New England Patriots, and then, you know, the New England Patriots are a good running team next year. That would obviously be terrible for both of our teams. But oh, before well. I move into my last nugget, I'd like to give a special th- shout-out. I was uh, informed of this by our media director, by our producer, by our board op, all, all our, our executive staff. Even Todd told me this. We have a fan listening, fans, folks, fans, let me pluralize that. But I'm going to give a shout-out to a special fan who's listening all the way in Guam. Her name is Liggy. Liggy like Diggy. You get it? Yeah, she knows. You know the deal. But I'd like to give a special shout-out to her for uh, listening. And, you know, her the entire island of Guam is listening right now. And it's interesting because Guam is an island populated by, uh, you know, Filipinos. And this next nugget Woo! We are going to talk about the greatest Filipino boxer in the history of boxing. Manny Pacquiao? Are you, uh, yeah, sorry, uh, Manny Pacquiao. I, I, I just, you know, I was thinking about Lamps and his call. Um, I'm going to talk about boxing for... You meant that? Yeah, uh, I did mean that. Um, in boxing news, folks, this is the first boxing note that we're ever going to mention in the history of pure gold. But this Saturday, Ricardo El Matador Mayorga will be fighting my Puerto Rican half-cousin, the sensational Miguel Cotto. I remember when uh, Ricardo Mayorga was the hottest thing on the planet several years ago, but he's pretty much faded in the last few years. Um, his last big fight was against Sugar Shane Mosley in 2008. 
He lost in the 12th round, folks. This is three years ago, for those of you who can't do math. Um, he's only fought once since then, so this is obviously a huge fight. Cotto is 35-2 and two in his career, which is stellar, obviously. Um, you know, his last fight... His last fight was uh, at Yankee Stadium, and I, you know, sorry, Miguel, but I have to disown you for that one. Last June, where he won the WWE Cruiserweight title, I mean the, uh, sorry, the WBA Light Middleweight title, um, and he beat Israeli-born Yuri Foreman. Um, you know, his last two, he only has two losses, like I said, folks, and uh, one of them was to this man right here. Folks, the one and only Manny Pacquiao, the Filipino sensation, the executioner, the assassin himself, who is on top of the boxing world, um, and his other loss was to Antonio Margarito three years ago. So this should definitely be an interesting fight for those of you out there who are boxing fans, and I know you're not used to hearing that on Pure Gold, but I had to... Drop that that deuce out there for those of you who are interested in, in fighting uh, in the boxing world. And you know, Joe, before we close out the show, another great classic bang bang shoot 'em up show. Um, it's interesting that you know we talked about boxing off the air, and I used to like boxing when I was uh, when I was much younger, and I liked heavyweight boxing. But what turned me off to the whole sport? I think the only boxing match, the only real legit boxing match that I've seen in the past few years is uh, Floyd Money Mayweather. It's all about the money against. Uh, Oscar Golden Boy De La Hoya, which is a wasn't even that great of a fight, but you know that I believe that's still the highest rated, uh, highest selling pay per view of all time. Um, if they ever got Pacquiao and and my boy Mayweather, Money Mayweather in there, you know Vince McMahon could pull that off, maybe in the WWE ring of all places. If those two ever fought, it would probably break all kinds of records and you know buys and everything. But I stopped liking boxing back in the day when uh, Axel Schultz, German born Axel Schultz, fought. Old, sloppy, washed-up George Foreman, and he dominated Foreman the entire match, and the, the decision was given to Foreman. That, I was like, I don't know how old I was. I was in my teens. I said to myself, boxing sucks. I have no interest in the sport anymore. It's all rigged, and I want nothing to do with it. And heavyweight <laughs> boxing still sucks for the most part. You're right, Joe. Heavyweight no. boxing still sucks for the most part. So the middleweight and the cruiserweights and the featherweights and the flyweights and the you know, all the other weights. That's the interesting stuff. Heavyweight boxing sucks. Joe, any thoughts on that, sir? You once again, sir, defied the logic that is known as DG. He just said that. You, didn't, you couldn't watch it anymore because it's set up and rigged. Then why do you watch wrestling, get damn fools? <laughs> well, because wrestling in and of itself, you know that it's rigged. You know that it's fake. And that's why it doesn't bother me. But boxing is supposed to be a legitimate sport. Two guys going in there beating the crap out of each other, and it's supposed to not be rigged. It's supposed to be legit, and it's not. And it's my same reason for not liking MMA. And I realize that people look at me sideways when I say it, but I know going in that wrestling is fake. And but you know you're going to get a good match when you get Shawn Michaels and Undertaker at WrestleMania. You know for a fact that you are going to get a big money match. But when you look at MMA or any, you know, boxing is, is a little bit better, but with MMA, you can go in there, you know, Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez, too, and Lesnar can win the match in 26 seconds in the first round, and, you you know, you blew, 
your entire life savings, your kid can't go to school, you can't put food on your family, you can't gas up your car because you spent all your money on the damn pay-per-view when all you got was the main event and it was 10 seconds. That is what I hate about MMA. But, JB, I just had to throw that out there. You know, give me something. I'd rather watch wrestling any day of the week or I'd rather get into an actual fist fight with you or Hans and see where that goes. Bang, bang. Folks, before we close out, Joe, do you have any final comments? You actually had a, I believe you had a comment about Rutgers or something to that effect? Yeah, but who cares about that? It's, it's been a great show. I don't want to yeah, uh, you know, close on a bad note. But, you know, you should uh, take time now to tell our peer goal audience, in all seriousness, why we were doing the whole bang, bang, the whole show. Well, the truth is that that call by Jim Lampley, or Lamps, as I affectionately refer to him, is one of the greatest calls in the history of professional sports. Jim Lampley is probably the best boxing uh, announcer of all time, next to Howard Finkel and Michael Buffer. But this man, when uh, Michael Pac, uh, Michael Pacquiao, what am I talking about? When Manny Pacquiao fought a couple years ago, there's this uh, this clip that Joe is about to play right now. Sorry, folks, technical difficulties here. line in that whole thing is you want to throw some time. Jim Lampley was calling the match as if he was Manny Pacquiao, as if he was punching somebody in the face, and as if he wanted to get into another fist fight with somebody else while beating this guy down. It was such a classic over-the-top promo. It's a promo of epic proportions. I just loved it. And my favorite part about that whole clip, if you watch it on YouTube, is that Jim Rome is, you know, calls him Lamps, which is great. But Rome, who's a sarcastic, smug self, is going into the whole thing. And, again, Joe and I have been talking about this literally the entire, entire day. And we have been giddy like a couple of schoolgirls hopped up on some sugar because, folks, it, it, it just laugh out loud funny. you got to check it out. Just put in Jim Lampley, bang, bang, go to YouTube, check it out. It's good stuff. Try and stop it, DG. Try and stop it. You want to throw some time? Listen, Joe, do you have any closing comments before we uh, we do our ads and wrap up this bad boy? Well, it's our Thursday show, so we're closing out for another week of pure gold. Uh, I really Obviously. had fun this. I really had fun this show. This was, uh, you know, we didn't. Uh, it's our first time that we didn't have a, a guest to interview, so it was definitely a pure gold show of JB, DG. Todd and uh, Hans, obviously, definitely, bang, bang. And, you know, everyone just make sure you have a great, safe, dry weekend because, you know, the rain just doesn't stop these days. And I'll see you Tuesday the 15th. You know what's great is that you are an absolute fool because we have had plenty of episodes without any guests, and you just made a complete buffoon of yourself, sir. And I'm going to have to, you know, you might not even be on the show next Tuesday because this stuff cannot continue. These mistakes, these errors, this bang, bang. The only way that you can redeem yourself is if you go all out, bang, bang, Jim Lampley style, and call the next pure gold match, the next show on Tuesday, Jim Lampley style. But, folks, before we close out, we just want to remind you that this show has been brought to you by two very special businesses near and dear to our hearts who are paying huge amounts of money, enough for us to get 
these clips and to just do all these things that we're doing, folks. Are you looking for an honest, gentle dentist? I know I am. Contact Pompton Dental Arts, located at 435 Ringwood Ave in Pompton Lakes. You can expect a warm, caring family atmosphere here where Drs. Ryan Zlatkowski and Lauren Salk will take care of your entire family's dental health and your neighbor and everyone else. Call 973-835-0702 for an appointment today or visit PomptonDentalArts.com. When you call, make sure to mention Pure Gold. Our other sponsor for tonight's show was by Design Stitch. Are you looking to promote your business, school, church, or team? Contact Design Stitch for all your embroidery and screening printing needs. Mention Pure Gold for 50% off of all setup charges. We are located at 194 Atlantic Street in Hackensack, New Jersey. Contact us at 201-488-1314 or visit us at our website at design-stitch.com. And when you call or visit the website, please mention Pure Gold. DG? Folks, that's about all the time we have tonight. We thank uh, Pyro Falcon for joining us again for another wonderful On Fire with Pyro segment. Special thanks to Hans for another classic Smallville View segment. Thanks to Todd for our sports update. Thanks to Jose, our media director, Fitz, our producer, and, of course, the lovely and talented Kelly, our board op. Remember to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for JB. This is a D a G reminding you to bang, 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 bang. You want some? Bang. You want to throw time? Keep it. Bang. P bang, 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 G. Good night, everyone. Bang, bang.